Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 254th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. Welcome back. Oh, thanks. From Montana. Yeah. How was it? It was great. I would go back tomorrow if I could. I don't want to be back in Missouri. I want to live in Montana forever. Except all the stuff that I don't like about it, which you don't see when you're on vacation. I just want to be on vacation forever. <laughs> you're sending us some videos. It looked mm. it looked like heaven. I gotta I gotta say, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We, we need to do the show from there sometime. Yeah, that's just good. From inside the river. Mm, yeah. yeah, just yeah. on a little dinghy. Yep, gravel bar. <laughs> just post up. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, it's good to be back. And uh, if anything, just to do this podcast. Yeah. That's basically it. <laughs> um, Kyle, what, uh, what's gone on since we last talked? Uh, Missouri got a football commit. SEC media days happened. Uh, there's something kind of like Mizzou basketball happening that we'll talk about before we get into all of that. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review wherever you listen to us, and you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod. Did you watch any of that Show Me Squad? Saw get, some highlights. Get, they got the win in the basketball tournament. Got the dub in yes. the basketball tournament. The winning team of the basketball tournament gets $1 million. How many teams are in this thing? Um, 16? That's pretty good odds. More than that. 32 that's half as good of odds <laughs> maybe more than that there's a considerable amount of teams <laughs> okay uh how many games do you have to how many games do you have to win to win the ncaa tournament i think it's six that's how many you have to do to win this game this okay. tournament too so does that mean there's the same amount of teams in the ncaa tournament i think so there's no play in round okay so 64 it, just it, a classic 64 yeah i i think that's it okay well they have to keep winning. Yeah, they have to. They beat a team from Vegas or something. Single elimination. Single elimination, yeah. No pool play. None of that. Um, no I feel chance. like the prize should have gone up since like the first edition of this. Adjust for inflation. That's kind of, yeah, exactly. Well, wages don't always adjust with inflation perfectly, Cameron. That's true. That's true. Um, also, I feel like Jonte is kind of set for life. Uh in multiple ways, mostly uh, MPJ getting that huge max contract with the Nuggets. So you think they share funds? Well, or just like, hey, coffee's on me, kind of thing. He'll never have to buy another coffee. Or uh, I would hope that you know Jonte's personal bank account is just like getting infused with money from <laughs> Michael. That's how it works. That's how that should happen. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, they they you get a, good. they get a million dollars if they win. Jonte looked really good. Check out the highlights if you haven't seen it. I tuned in just uh, just in time to see them almost blow a huge lead. So and that was going to be a little bit traumatizing if I just watched the last four minutes of the game and they lose a blow a 16-point lead. Jonte is like a little bit of a guy that's just kind of fallen off the face of the earth for me. Like I just haven't really thought about him a lot. So to see him playing basketball was like, wow, this is this not something I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. He looked uh he looked like a grown man. Did he look like the explosiveness had returned? Obviously having to those some two 
kind of scary knee injuries back to back can kind of haunt you a little bit but yeah one of his highlights was a huge putback dunk and he made five threes they him and uh, mosley had some pick and pop action and yeah he looked good mosley looked good tony criswell 13 points he's been playing football as of late in canada wow i don't know what position i feel like off the top of my head he's too tall for football but i guess yeah tight end defensive end or something uh, so yeah, Tony Criswell out there. And, um, so I got to watch the Elam ending, which we found out right before we started recording. You don't know what that is. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. I had to ask out. you like, what was that? What was that word you were saying? <laughs> well, it's not the most, it's not the most well-known thing, but I'd love to tell you about it. Cause it's okay. kind of interesting. Cool. The Elam ending also known as the final target score was created and named after Nick Elam a professor at Ball State University. And basically it is a way to avoid like fouling and like the last section yeah. of a basketball game lasting an hour, okay. mm. uh, fouling and timeouts over and over again, that sort of thing. And what happens is after the under four, under four minute timeout in the fourth quarter, the basketball tournament does quarters, uh, there's no more game clock anymore, only a shot clock. And Whatever the score is at that time, they add eight points to the team that's winning, and that number is the score that you need to reach to win the game. So no time limit, basically. So whoever's winning at that time only needs to score eight more points to win the game. Whoever's losing needs to make up the difference plus eight more points. Okay. No matter matter how much time's left. Correct. Under four. What if... The game just keeps going till the clock runs out, and there's not a stoppage of play. I don't know. That's a good question. That would be that would be interesting. Basically impossible, probably. But yeah, I just I would just yeah. All all that would need to happen is like any out of bounds, yeah, or travel or foul. And this only takes place in the basketball tournament. Um, I was looking. The basketball tournament started using it in 2017, and then. In 2020, it was chosen as the format for the NBA All-Star Game. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, That's great for the brand. Other leagues, that's great for Elam, yeah. Uh, Other leagues, such as the Canadian Elite Basketball League and the G League. The G League uses a modified version of it for overtime. And the basketball tournament announced they would be adapting the concept for a spinoff soccer tournament in 2023. Now, that could take a while to score eight points in soccer. (laughs) (laughs) One of these days, you're going to see it in the NIT. Yeah. That's where they like to experiment with that kind of stuff. Yeah. I like that. One interesting thing about it, though, is the winning team, after you go into Elam ending mode, if the winning team commits a foul in the bonus, the fouled team gets one free throw and the ball back. Mm. So you couldn't, like, try to manipulate it that way one of the announcers was saying if he was the coach he would just cherry pick like not care how much the other team scores just try to get easy baskets well he he was like very much a proponent of that strategy he's like begging a team to do that (laughs) (laughs) well i have to tune in next time they play 
yeah, so they, cool. they won the game. They move on to the second round where they will play a team of KU alumni. Oh, no. Including gosh. Thomas Robinson and, like, yeah, a bunch of guys from that era. Is Phil Pressy playing? Phil? No, but I think his brother Paul is. Paul? Yeah. His dad's Paul. Paul Pressy, yes. And now his, another one's Paul. Okay. Not Phil and not the other one who played for Mizzou. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, I don't think his name was Paul, but I didn't know there was another one. Apparently, there's another one. But I can't think of... Wow, this is terrible. We'll, we'll think of it later. Yeah, we will. Uh, yeah, so that that's that's my uh, reporting on the Show Me Squad's win in the, the basketball tournament. They're one step closer to a million dollars. Moving on, Mizzou football got a commitment from Brian Huff. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, this one happened uh, in the week that we were gone, but... Um, yeah, this is a this is a nice pickup. We've talked about him quite a bit this summer. Uh, one of honestly one of my favorite uh, recruits that Missouri has been involved with. He was a visitor on the the big recruiting weekend that Missouri had, kind of towards the end of June. And he's from Arkansas, so that's kind of a four star linebacker from Arkansas. So that was a a big win just to pull a, one of the best players out of Arkansas. Is always feels nice. So um, he's a little bit different t- type of linebacker than Nicholas Rodriguez, who uh, Missouri uh, got a commitment from a few weeks ago. I'd say Rodriguez is more kind of a uh, kind of a slimmer, um, probably uh, more of an outside linebacker style. And Brian Huff, I think, is probably more of a thumper. He's, uh, I think, he's already 225. Is that an official term? Huh? Thumper? Is thumper. that an official term? Uh, just a big hitter. Okay. Okay. Inside guy, Heavy maybe. Hitter. Okay. Run stopper, maybe. Oh, okay um he's already 225 and i think he could definitely uh put on some more weight so that'll it looks like we got the linebackers shored up for for a few years so this is a nice nice class for the missouri linebackers pulled him out of arkansas it's beautiful segue uh arkansas missouri arkansas was in the news last few days and i don't even remember what started it Uh, uh, some arkansas affiliated reporter was talking about how um, Arkansas has always been the better team, but, but somehow Missouri keeps winning these games. Yeah. That, I mean, as dumb as that sounds, that's actually pretty much what the quote was. Yeah. How accurate is that, first of all? It's just, for, I mean, first of all, I want to get this out of the way. You cannot be in media if you are this biased. Like, you cannot, like, I don't know. I think. We're separate from this. Yeah. Like, we do not pretend to be actual journalists. We're not breaking news. We are not making money. We are not... This is not our job. Uh, we are a fan podcast. I think this person would actually... I mean, he's showing up to SEC Media Days. He considers himself... I mean, we would if we could. I suppose. <laughs> uh, he would consider himself, like, legitimate, like, a journalist or a media. Yeah. And he is just straight up a fan of the team and, like, has actual... Probably less ability to view things... Uh, in a biased way than probably we do. Yeah. And it's just, it was honestly kind of embarrassing watching this guy like try and like give excuses for Arkansas's bad play for literally a decade of time. Yeah. Speaking of a decade, I saw a tweet that was showing the total number of conference wins in the SEC in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Showed every school's total mm-hmm. conference wins. The top half of the league in the last 10 years, in no particular order, includes Missouri, 
Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, Auburn, and Texas A&M. Not in that order. In no particular order. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> That's in that order, yeah, I mean, which is just an order. Yeah. The order that I'm reading them. The bottom half of the league, no particular order, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Arkansas. That's literally not... That, actually, Missouri was a little bit surprising. They're yeah, actually they're in the sixth. T- yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. But Arkansas has not been good for pretty much the whole time we've been in the SEC. They've maybe had a couple of good seasons here and there. But, I mean, we're going on over a decade of time where these fans are still, like, picturing some kind of weird past performance and still just thinking that's current day, kind of like Nebraska. Yeah. Um, It's just, I don't know. I just don't. It's honestly, I love it. It just injected in my veins, honestly, yeah. because it just makes beating Arkansas that much sweeter every year. Like, it gives me a reason to want to win this game. This is it. Yeah. Because we get to watch you guys make a fool of yourself every single offseason, and it just keeps coming. And yeah, I just want to reiterate when it comes to being in the top half of the league or the bottom half of the league. Missouri and Arkansas, polar opposites. Polar opposites. Couldn't be further apart. Yeah, so it's literally like, okay, Missouri's won six of the last seven. That's pretty dominant. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe there is some weird thing going on. Let's look at the overall records. Nope, nothing there. Like, yeah. Missouri's clearly better there as well against everyone else. Uh, Producer Cameron, you have a soundbite of an Arkansas fan reacting to those comments from Kyle. I'm a connoisseur of cinnamon rolls. That's not I'm it. Con- <laughs> Sorry, wrong drum. <laughs> That's Coach Drink. <laughs> he had it all ready to go. That's them. Can you t- turn that up a little bit? Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> He's working hard back there. And I just got to say, that's that's not a good argument. I from don't the know what fans. they're saying. Yeah. Speaking a different language. So, anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hope, it's just I Hopefully mean, Missouri wins that game this year. Yeah. They will. Yeah. South Carolina was doing some stuff like that too. Did you see the South Carolina yes, guy? Yes, I I, did, I just saw it. It's like and the stuff. two teams that it's literally denial. cannot they're in make, denial. It's the two teams that cannot make the argument that they're better. Yeah, are making the argument. Yeah, they. And then there's Vandy somewhere. Like we don't know what. They, did they even show up to SEC media days? Did they even get their knows. own section? Nobody. I knows. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's two programs that are in denial. They think that. Like, oh, we had one good year in 2012. We were 16th at the end of the season. We're better than Missouri t- 10 years later. Yeah, and uh, we're going to get into, I mean, we can segue right into the SEC media days with Coach Drink's uh, press conferences and stuff, but he uh, made a specific point to uh, sort of push back on, uh, it was um, Sonny Dykes who made a comment in the media talking about Missouri had been to two, was in, I can't remember the exact quote. He said something like Missouri had been in, was going to big 12 championships and they haven't been really been doing that in the sec, but, um, Missouri went to, has been to as many sec championships as they did big 12 championships. Yeah. And so luckily coach drink knew that he was ready to, uh, defend the program's history in the sec. And he immediately pointed out, he has no problem with uh, with Coach Dykes, but 
Missouri's it's, been to two SEC championships. It's truly insane, like how you can apply these like actual psychological concepts to like what's happening to these poor people, like recency bias yeah. and you know, selective hearing type stuff. Like you're yeah. just literally choosing to ignore facts that happened. <laughs> just living in, like, in an alternate even, reality. Not even that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have anything uh, else before we dive into the media day stuff? Not really. Okay. But I'm glad football's back because it's been a fun. It's been a fun week on Twitter. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. Before we dive into this completely, it has been like the last two weeks. It's been fun to be online and be a Mizzou fan. Mm. That's not always the case, but um, seeing the stuff with Kobe Brown and Demoy Hodge in the uh, NBA Summer League and uh, the basketball tournament mm-hmm. and um, yeah. sports these, are back. Yeah, the uh, rivalry talk, but with Arkansas and South Carolina, it's just like yeah, we've been on the good side of a lot of these conversations. It feels nice. Yeah. Oh, I was going to add one more thing. Yeah. One more little Twitter interaction I had with an Arkansas fan on Twitter a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was trying to make the argument that Arkansas's roster was better than Missouri's. And that's kind of like, I guess, in kind of support of the argument that this other fellow was making, mm-hmm. that Arkansas had a better roster. They just haven't figured out how to win. Yeah. And he was literally using 24-7's composite recruiting rankings to support his argument that that's like that's how you determine the health of a roster yeah the tennessee strategy yeah like instead of actual like game results from like the past 10 years yeah head-to-head record not good not a good thing to point to conference record not a good thing to point to no yeah well maybe maybe the things will change for arkansas and they'll start uh you know Putting some wins behind the uh, recruiting rankings. They better this year because they're yeah. never going to have another chance after what's his face leaves. Yeah. What's the quarterback's name? KJ Jefferson? Yeah. yeah. It's like their only hope. Yeah. Who's Phil Pressy's brother that played on the team? Matt Pressy. That's him. Thank you. You're welcome. Did you have that in there the whole time? No. Just thought of everything. Okay. Perfect. I knew if I asked you I kept you wanting later, to say Flip Pressy, which is like, no, that's the same person. That's just Phil's alter ego. <laughs> um. Okay. So, SEC Media Days. Coach Drinkwitz uh, had his press conference. His opening statement was like 20 minutes long. He went through the entire roster, uh, giving details on the position groups, the uh, position battles and stuff like that in order to, he admitted, waste time so they wouldn't have to answer as many questions after the opening statement. I tuned into this. Yeah. As, like I was watching it live as a Mizzou fan, it was great. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome." He's, I mean, it's a little bit embarrassing, but he's telling us like things we have. He's talking about players we have not heard anything about for months, like kind of giving little updates on certain guys that had good summers or position groups that are doing stuff. He talked about a couple of position changes, even uh, a couple of guys that are like you know change, changing positions and stuff like that. So I was like, "Wow, this is really entertaining." But he's clearly stalling, and then he even had just admitted it. Later yeah. on. Well, he went, he just went for it in such a way that I just thought that it was normal because I only watched his press conference yeah. and I was like, oh, I guess this is what they do. They just go up and, you know, give very detailed uh, descriptions of their roster. And never uh, seen anything like it in my life. Only, probably only, never again. Yeah. Only with some context. I was like, oh, this is not normal. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, I wrote down some uh, nuggets that I thought were interesting from what he had to say. Yeah, uh, He pointed out 18 returning starters, 32 players on the roster. It's kind of a cherry-picked stat, but kind of interesting. 32 players on the roster who have started four or more games at the Division One level. 
Um, he said on defense, biggest question mark is the defensive end or edge position. I would agree. And he mentioned um, DJ Weslack moving from linebacker to defensive end, his more natural position. He also, he did mention that Johnny Walker um, had gained muscle and uh, looked like he was going to be ready to contribute across from uh, on one of the ends. Probably either Joe Moore or Darius Robinson. Yeah, Robinson on the other side. And so he he kind of, he said there was that was the biggest question mark, but he kind of penciled in some guys who he thought would contribute. And I don't think, uh, I think the talent that's there for that to still be the biggest question mark is not too concerning right now. Yeah. But we'll go into that in more detail when we do our full uh, position breakdowns a little bit later. But I thought that was an interesting note. Um, he uh, couldn't help but smile when discussing the defensive backfield with uh, Chris Abrams-Drain and Ennis Rakestraw. And you can just tell he is very satisfied with having those two guys back and sort of anchoring the the defensive backs yeah and i think all mizzou fans can agree with that yeah massive win for the offseason um on offense he i thought it was interesting when he talked about the running backs he mentioned schrader and pete returning and then he basically said here's four guys that are need to show that they can defend or you know pass protect and pick up the scraps basically behind schrader and pete so if you were maybe on the Tavoris Jones train, that was me. Um, maybe think again. Maybe it's a little early. I won't give up yet. No, I don't. I definitely think don't give up. I think uh, it's it's Schrader and Pete can only play this year. They don't have any more eligibility left, and then Jones will have two years. So, yeah, I mean they're doing a little bit of a old school uh, make the talented freshmen wait three years to see the field. But hey, I guess if that's the best thing for the team and maybe the player has shown that they're going to be patient then that's something you can do and if just, they don't stick around you can go get a transfer i suppose but i just think that's just, you know obviously recruiting rankings are not everything or else arkansas would be winning national championships in their mind but uh i would like to think tavoris jones would be good enough to to crack the rotation yeah i agree um one interesting thing he said was that the wide receiver group has to improve the most was the words he used. And I thought that was interesting. And I'm going to maybe choose, maybe he means like when you look at the talent level of the position groups, the wide receivers should be the ones uh, taking this next step because of the expectations that we have for them based on how good they are as athletes. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't want to like over analyze it, but you know, I think obviously Dominic Lovett left a pretty big hole in that offense, and he even like said something about Dominic Lovett about he transferred to another SEC school. Yeah, in his like opening speech, which mm -hmm. I thought was interesting. But yeah, I think uh, you know we spent, or at least you did, spent a lot of a lot of last season trying to temper expectations for Luther Burden, who was a true freshman, and maybe there's still going to be a little bit of that going on with the wide receiver room you know there's a lot of big names in that room but that doesn't necessarily automatically translate to a lot of production that fans or casual fans might expect uh i, th I really truly think luther burden is going to be much improved and will be awesome but outside of that it's a lot of question marks mm -hmm. 
Um, and he said that the offensive line was the biggest work in progress. Is that what you want to hear? I mean, not really, but I think that it's just because they don't even know who's going to play certain positions yet, I guess is what he means by that. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. He rattled off the names, but then he was basically like, any of these guys are going to play anywhere. We'll take the best five. And the one thing that he did, the one player that maybe seemed most certain was Armand Mambu. He said, had a fantastic summer. And he considers him an anchor at the guard position. Some of the other players were talking about Mimbu, like in their kind of personal interviews and stuff, and they were raving about mm-hmm. him. And yeah, I think he has the potential to be an NFL caliber player. Yeah, uh, Drink mentioned the NFL, just like in a, in sort of like his trajectory as a player. Yeah, he kind of saw that there. Um, talking about quarterbacks. Um, Drink talked about Sam Horn. He was he talked about him a bit at the end of his opening monologue, and then was asked about Sam Horn specifically with baseball. Um, some interesting stuff there. He talked about Sam Horn dealing with diabetes and his diet, and just kind of adjusting to college life as a freshman. And uh, mentioned his injury that he had playing baseball, but that you know. There was uh, an outing where he pitched three innings and was hitting 95, 96 on the radar gun and just talked about him building confidence by being out there playing baseball and uh, not being afraid of the spotlight, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's 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 good to hear. Um, you know, I'm kind of a, a Sam Horn stan. Um and I just I wanna see I wanna see what he's got and I wanna I want to see him have a chance because I know how talented he is. Um I, that's totally understandable, you know, just to, from a self-confidence standpoint um, to just not be taking actual reps for like an entire year and to just kind of be thinking like, did I make the right decision? Is this really something I'm good at? And then going out and then doing something inhumanly athletic is probably yeah. like, all right, yeah, I, I'm capable of this. And so I can I can see that. And, you know, as a, a you know, 18, 19 year old kid just adjusting to college life, I'm sure that's that's something that not everybody you know, does super well his first couple of years. So it's understandable that, you know, he need, needed a little bit of time to adjust, but it sounds like he's kind of learning how to do so. Uh, Coach Drink talked about Brady Cook and how he was sort of the, I'm putting words in his mouth a little bit, but we can interpret it to mean he is the assumed QB1, even though there is a quarterback competition. It's basically Brady's job to lose is what I took from it. And, He's not going to name a starter, and they may play multiple quarterbacks, he said, but it's going to be up to some of these guys with less experience in the program to unseat him if they want to be the starter. Give me your prediction in percentages. Uh, who's going to be the starter? Oh, okay, actually, who's going to be the starter for like the third game of the year? Is that Kansas State? Is that the third game or the second game? It's right in there. Okay, who's going to be the starter for Kansas State? Brady Cook. That's what I think. I think I would put it at like 78%. Not 79? No. Okay. Not 76? Not 77. Uh, 78% Cook, and then like split. Because he did so well against Kansas State last year. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever's left, uh, split that in half between Horn and Garcia. So you're taking these comments as... Truly, like, there's no misdirection. It's Cook's the guy unless somebody just blows me away. 
Right. I see it as um, be prepared for Brady Cook to be the starter all season. But if one of these guys takes his job from him and is like undeniably needs to be the starter, then that can still happen. We still have all of fall camp. Um, but what's your interpretation? Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think some people, and maybe myself included, maybe this is wishful thinking and this bias coming in that I'm that I'm thinking about that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, was this actually maybe was a little bit of misdirection to okay. kind of keep things under wraps a little bit, and that Sam Horn could be the starter for the most of the year. But man, I don't know. Who who knows? Yeah, and I don't know. I think most of the off season, I was thinking like, I kind of come to grips that Brady Cook is just going to run it back with Brady Cook, and and we you know we got a lot of the defense returning. Let's just see what happens if we can get marginally better on offense, and maybe that's the best decision. I don't know. Um, the rather than taking the the home run swing. Well, and I think that um, I'm trying to th- this is there's like positive and negative to this sort of the way Brady Cook is. Um, I feel like he is the type of player in not just in games, but in practices and in meeting rooms and in film sessions and stuff. I don't know. He just gives me the vibe of the guy who is always trying to do the little things to let coach know I'm ready to be your starting quarterback. Yep. And I could, I just, I don't know. He gives me that vibe of, of the kid who is thinking, what's the little thing that I can do here to catch coach's attention. So he remembers, oh yeah, Yeah. Brady did that. Brady's on top of that. I'm at an athletic disadvantage, but I can try, I can try my best. Exactly. I can be that little coach's nerd. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree. That's, and it's working. Yeah. He's very competitive, wants to win. And I'll take that. And coach Drinkwitz has a tendency to, not always favor like the not most... always choose the best guy well, <laughs> well um yeah uh i was gonna say those little intangible things those little preparation things um and just the continuity within the system obviously we know that coach drinkwitz values that stuff to a fault so if that holds true now and we have no idea what uh um, I always want to call him Kirby Smart, um, Kirby Moore. We don't know what his evaluation of the situation will look like, but maybe he could, you know, swing things if he has a different opinion. But what we know about Coach Drinkwitz, what we know about Brady Cook, they are like a match for each other as far as like mindset, I think. Especially with all the other things surrounding the team and the defense coming back strong, that sort of thing. Solid wide receiver group. I don't know. I see. Yep. I see. Drinkwitz kind of taking the safe approach. I think I agree with you. Now, perhaps it comes to fruition that uh, the floor with Horn as the quarterback. You know that I think that's what it's going to come down to is who has the highest floor. If things go poorly, who's going to keep us in the game and not lose it for us? I just I just hope they give him a chance in those first couple of games. Just get him out there at least. Give him some reps. See what he can do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I got to think that in the back of Drink's mind, it's like if we turn it over to Horn and he struggles, like 
Brady Cook's going to be sitting there just like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to deal with that. Do you remember when uh, in the Kansas State game, maybe you were already like just checked out at this point, but they turned it over to Jack Abraham to see yeah. what, what he would do, and he just comes in and promptly throws two interceptions on yeah. two straight throws. Mm-hmm. Like it showed Brady Cook on the sideline. He just looked devastated. I like felt sad for him. I felt yeah. sad for myself that I was watching that game too. Yeah, that was a rough one. Uh, in in Coach Drinkwitz's comments, he mentioned actually going from two and four with a couple of the losses that they had to you know turn it around and finish the season four and two was he was kind of giving his team kudos for that. And uh, yeah, I think we talked about it last year that that two and four start was rough, yeah, but somewhat predictable, yeah. And and honestly, let's see how many games did they win? Six, yeah, very easily should and could have won eight yeah yeah they were much closer to an eight win team than they were a four win team oh yeah um out getting out of the personnel talk um coach drinkwitz was asked about uh nil stuff which is always a topic um and specifically for drinks since he's been so active in that department and I thought it was interesting, considering how active he's been, he kind of dodged the question a little bit and just said he leaves it up to the athletic department and the AD to handle all that kind of stuff. But he went out of his way to specifically mention by name, like everybody in the Missouri, the state of Missouri government who like helped in the process. Yeah. Like, yeah. Thanks to those who have really run, run with this. I'm not involved at all, but also here's the very specific names we've worked with. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm at this point, I'm totally fine with coach Drinkwitz just sitting one out and not trying to navigate something that's kind of complicated because we've seen what happens when we try to do that. Um, also, uh, you know, we talked about last, last time about the new NIL law in the state of Missouri that just went into law, uh, about now that sign Missouri signees can receive NIL money, NIL deals, I don't really think there's very many states. And the coaches can directly orchestrate that. Right, which is a decision made at the state level, not the SEC or the NCAA. That's purely just the state of Missouri putting that into law. And so that was a very progressive thing for us. And it's a very helpful thing for us because in recruiting, we can say to recruits, you will get money six months before anywhere else you can go, at least right now. And so that is a huge deal and it's a big change. And so what threw a wrench potentially in... Coach Drinkwitz's plans for how he was going to attack media days was literally Greg Sankey and his opening statement of SEC media days kind of saying he was not really in favor of that. Yeah. He was not in favor of, you know, the, the decision making happening at the state level and, you know, kind of, you know, I don't know, the states being able to control the conversation and I don't know, right. things getting out of hand a little bit there. Yeah. Well, and I, from his perspective, he's got to be thinking, He's not loving the idea of one of the SEC member institutions basically creating their own leg up on the competition in the NIL space. And he's probably thinking, I'm sure he had athletic directors and coaches hitting him up like, hey, uh, how? what are we doing here? Some states and some programs are just going to be taken off with random NIL laws and we yeah. it all we have to deal with our state legislator and, yeah. and governor to try well, to get this stuff done. Yeah, what's Greg Sankey going to do against exactly. 
state government. Yeah. What's the NCAA going to do? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, we, I mean, we've got an interesting situation here. It just continues to get more interesting. But for this very specific time in history, this is a huge advantage for Missouri recruiting. And I think it could literally be the key for Missouri landing some huge fish this class. Yeah. Um, but you better enjoy it while it's here because I don't know that it's going to last forever and or other states are going to catch up. But yeah, I don't know. think the SEC can do much to like try to roll this back. But I could see them being like, okay, other states, here's what Missouri's doing. Yeah. Can we get something going Encourage here? Encourage other people to kind of catch up. Yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting, uh, kind of seeing him like come out and just like showing direct opposition to the in our minds, progress that Missouri had made yeah. uh, at the legislative level. So uh, I'm sure Coach Drinkwitz was completely aware, and I'm sure he's probably already aware that maybe they didn't have the conference's support on that. And so he's just like, yeah, I'm not going to try and just answer this at all yeah. because I know it's just a taboo thing right now. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, don't get it twisted. He is, <laughs> he is very involved in all of this stuff yes. and is one of the major players pushing for this legislation. Uh, when Williams, when Ari was on campus last mm. month, I'm pretty sure he literally took him to the state capitol to like, like, this is what we're working on. Yeah. This could be you this winter. Yeah. And Coach Drinkwitz, talking about NIL stuff, was like mentioned Luther Burden and his brand deals yeah. and the pizza deal that is uh, some of the defensive players have now. It's the only weapon we have right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no thoughts from Drinkwitz on AI, though. <laughs> that was actually hilarious. Uh, yeah, it's like the same guy who was just asking everybody about AI. I said that to uh, producer Cameron before you got here. I was like, this yeah. this reporter had to have just been asking every single coach like, what they're doing with AI. Yeah, honestly. And uh, what's-his-face LSU coach, uh, Brian Kelly, mm-hmm. was the first one to go. And I was watching his, and like I was like, oh, this old man is not going to know what to say. And he just actually responds with like this very uh, articulate response. And I was like, okay, somebody prepped him well. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Coach Jenkins was just as flat as ever. It was just like, I have no thoughts on AI in college football. Yeah. And that was like it. Somebody, somebody in the uh, football, somebody in the football uh, program is thinking like, okay, uh, maybe we do need to look into this. Because, yeah, uh, Brian Kelly was talking about how they're using it for like to create recruiting profiles to like, find kind of prospects like for them yeah exactly interesting um let's see anything else from sec media days that you want to talk about uh, did any other coaches have anything interesting i saw or you were saying something um uh what's his name old miss coach uh, oh yeah uh yeah he was lane kiffin, lane was, kiffin was saying the state of college football is a disaster just with all the NIL stuff. Mm. I can't even blame him, honestly. Uh, he looked awful, too. Like, his like, hair is all disheveled. And he was like, yeah, college football is a disaster. Like, he looked like he just hates his life. And, you know, trying to deal with this stuff, it's the wild, wild west. I don't, I can't say I envy having to deal with, it's just being pulled in a million different directions right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Coach Drinkwitz, he, he kind of comes across as like, I don't know. He sometimes it like comes across like a robot where he just like is just taking in information and just thinking. Well, one reporter asked him like a very like 
AI in the weeds, uh, like Maybe X's and AI. O's question. Maybe that's why it was like, it just, like no, just don't say anything. Maybe Eli Drinkwitz is act AI. normal, act normal. Uh, they're on to me. They're on to me. Um, he was asked like a very X's and O's question about like uh, Kirby Moore's offense and some of these scheme oh changes gosh, and stuff. Yes. That was I was like, oh, this could be interesting, the most and then just in depth thing completely over my head. Somebody yeah. who knows well, I mean, offensive it, scheming. He better. basically was just talking about how there's there's horrible lateral play calls they do. Yeah. It's like there is reason for it because yeah. eventually they're just gonna they're gonna start biting on the horizontal stuff is to get the linemen moving like back and forth and to kind of tire them out and to just hit them with the get weird with angles. the long ball yeah. all of a sudden when they're expecting some some horizontal stuff. So I mean that's basically the most simplified answer possible. Mm. Like, thank you for dumbing that down for me. I mean, I guess it makes sense conceptually, but it never didn't work that well. Yeah, but yeah, it was funny just hearing him just like go off like okay. That that was where I was like, okay, he like turned on like football mode, like yes. X's and O's mode, and he was like, okay, yeah, I can talk about this. I'm pretty sure Kirby Smart, uh, that's George's coach, right? Mm-hmm. Kirby Smart. You were saying that not earlier. Kirby Moore, not Kirby Moore. Kirby Smart. Uh, I'm pretty sure he took like a friendly jab at him for doing a hour long opening statement, like mention every player and coach on the team. I uh, just do it yourself, I guess. I guess. I mean, some of the coaches like answering questions. Coach Drink likes it, though. He pretends to not like it. I think so. Yeah. He likes talking to Paul Feinbaum. Yeah, that's his best friend. Um, I do have uh, one more thing to talk about that's not football-related at all. That should I talked about earlier, but... Uh, I was going to say uh, one more thing on football. <laughs> yeah. One more thing on football is Chance Looper and Xavier Simmons... Mm. Two Missouri football players are going to have to medically retire this yeah. offseason. Uh, Simmons like had a really bad knee injury last year. I think he was a freshman last year, was playing on special teams, and must have just been an awful knee injury uh, if he's having to medically retire. Uh, and then Chance Looper uh, had some kind of health issue, kind of undisclosed health issue last year, literally propped, popped up like the first – game of the year last mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. and i think it was maybe a heart issue or something but he uh is gonna have to re- medically retire as well so that's a bummer uh liked both of those guys a lot and so that's it's gonna suck that they uh don't get to play yeah definitely um speaking of wide receivers i had one more thing uh Drinkwitz was asked about luther burden's uh or he was kind of asked about dominic lovett and luther burden moving to the slot position where lovett had previously played and um Drink sort of tried to, he sort of implied that they're going to try to use um, Luther Burden in the slot and basically have a game plan where he is pretty much interchangeable with um, Makai Miller. Mm. And so that's kind of exciting. I don't know, just seeing those two guys come in and out for each other and knowing that whoever's in the slot is more than capable of taking it to the house and i don't know i could just see both of those guys getting a lot of targets and them especially with luther burden being able to do some creative stuff with him out of the slot and uh having theo weiss and mookie cooper on the outside yeah i'm pretty excited for the wide receiver group no matter who's quarterback yeah luther burden and uh makai miller for sure um Quarterback's best friend, just sure-handed, yeah. like chain mover slot mm-hmm. guys, love it. Um, okay, so I wanted to talk about uh, 
we talked, we did our uh, Uncut Diamonds um, mm -hmm. review last week, and we were talking about the video coverage of the Mizzou athletics uh, teams and stuff. I did want to give a shout out to the basketball team has putting out newcomer videos, and there was one on Caleb Grill and one on Jesus uh, Calarera. I don't know if I said that right. Um, so you got a little something there. Cool. But when I watch those videos, I'm not even listening to what they're saying because there's B-roll of practices going on the You're entire just like time. Watching like who is that? Who's that? Who yes, did that exactly. Dunk? Yes, yeah. exactly. And um, that was just another thing to be excited about this past week was seeing those videos come out and looking in the background at uh, Sean East and Nick Honor, and then seeing Trent Pierce on the practice floor for the first time. Um, I don't know. That's a YouTube thing. It, I saw it on Twitter okay. both times. I, they probably posted it on YouTube as well. But yeah, I'm always looking for what the players are doing in the in the practice and stuff. They're having some open practices mm -hmm. too, so that's exciting for the fans that can make it to that. Yeah. And you were saying they're, the basketball team is taking a trip to Jamaica. Next week. Mm. Yep. I think they're going to do some scrimmages over there. Probably more about the camaraderie mm. than anything, mm. but still play a little ball. It's a nice place to go to play some basketball. Yeah. Um, anything else for the folks this week? I don't think so. I'm just glad Drink didn't get himself in any trouble. He was trying so hard. <laughs> the, the he was so stressed. The second press conference, he like was led into a certain conversation, I think talking about another coach or something. I can't quite remember. And it was he, probably Tennessee. He started down this path and then he just like caught himself and was like and you know what i'm gonna end that answer there and just move on he's learned <laughs> maybe we'll see yeah paul feinbaum literally the first thing he said to him was about tennessee vacating wins and like what that oh, does yeah. for missouri's record yeah like he's drink was like you're trying to get me on this and he's like i'm not a gotcha guy right. i used to be but i'm not now i'm like okay I, I think that's a lie. I, I stopped doing that yesterday. You didn't know? It's my first interview not trying to do gotchas. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this week. So let me get my list of names here. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Garofalo, Brandon Hanks, and Matthew Tilly. Thank you. Thank you very much, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcast and Spotify. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next week. Anything the right there? mattress makes everything clear. My neck feels better. The right mattress be makes everything clear. My neck feels better. My neck feels better.